Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. Today's episode is what I would say is a very well-known case if you're from Edinburgh and you could possibly even have some sort of connection or a story to tell about either the victim or the murderer. Today we're going to speak about the disappearance of Suzanne Pilly. Suzanne Pilly was a 38-year-old bookkeeper from Edinburgh and she went missing on the morning of the 4th of May 2010. So I would say this was quite a high, highly publicised Yeah, I was actually just about to say whole thing. 2010. I know, I feel like it was only a couple of years ago. ago. Yeah, uh-huh. I feel like it was a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And it's a very, to this day as well, it's, very, it's a very controversial case because the prosecution obtained a murder conviction without a body and the body of Suzanne Pilly has never been found to this day. So you've obviously, it's kind of like, you know, the McCann case, but completely different, but controversial on the fact, did this person who's in prison do it, or was it someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So on the 4th of May 2010, Suzanne Pilly was making her way to the offices of Infrastructure Managers Limited in Thistle Street in Edinburgh. This is where she worked as a bookkeeper. So this is in the centre of town, you know, next to um, St Andrew's Square. Okay, so at this side of town. So as part of her routine in the morning, she would often call into the St Andrew's Square Sainsbury's, which I do too, Sainsbury's, Mm -hmm. en route to work. So at 8.51am on the 4th of May, she was seen on CCTV leaving Sainsbury's. Now at 8.54am, she was seen on CCTV on North St David Street, about to turn into Thistle Street. So this is, you know, she's just came down St Andrew's Square, practically, and she's turning into Thistle Street. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this was to be the last public sighting of her, because she failed to turn up for work. Which is mad, because it's such a busy part of town. Mm-hmm. It's great, like, especially, you know, not during a pandemic, there's bus, that is like... Or at prime... night or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is prime time office workers running into work, you know, with their uh-huh. coffees, etc. But then the... it's that thing where it's like, it sounds so like, I don't know how to word this, not weird, like, it's so busy but no one's noticing each other. Like, if I asked you on a normal morning without pandemic, like, name three people you passed on your way to work, you probably couldn't. Oh no, I'd just be like, eh, the ground. <laughs> yeah, I had my headphones <laughs> in, if someone talked to me I was pissed off. <laughs> Now, on the afternoon of the 4th of May, she was reported missing to Lothian and Borders Police by her parents, Robert and Sylvia Pilly. Okay. Now, I'm going to jump forward to on the 11th of May, 2010. Okay. Lothian and Borders Police initiated a high-profile public appeal for information and they used digital screens and they put them up in the centre of Edinburgh. And they played footage of Suzanne's last known whereabouts, which is crazy because you've never mad. seen that before. Like I know we no. were we were young, but I I don't remember it. But that's amazing that they but did. Yeah, everyone, I I can already picture the footage of her going mm-hmm. into the Sainsbury's, the one that went everywhere. Uh huh. Yeah. And at the same time, they also issued a statement saying that they believed Suzanne may have been the victim of a criminal act. Okay, so they're saying at the minute. A criminal act. So she's went from disappearance to criminal act. Right, okay. In the space of what? 
eight, seven days. Okay. Now, on the 18th of May, 2010, Suzanne's employers issued a statement saying that her disappearance was completely out of character. And then the following day, the police issued a statement saying that they were now treating the inquiry as a murder investigation. So, within the space of 12 days, she's went from disappearing, criminal act, murder investigation. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And on the 20th of May, it was reported in the press that the police had expanded their investigation to a 400 square mile area of Argyle, stretching from Tyndrum to Inverary and the Argyle Forest. So this oh. is up north. This is Argyle's hours away. Mm-hmm. So this is in Edinburgh. Okay, and it was said that they were keen to trace the movements of a silver vehicle driven by a man on remote roads across Argyll and Butte on the afternoon of the 5th of May 2010, so the day after her disappearance. Now, on the 23rd of June 2010, David Gilroy, a colleague and former boyfriend of Suzanne Pilly, was detained by Lothian and Borders Police under one of this acts, because obviously they didn't have a body or anything like that, in connection with her disappearance. And later that day, he was arrested and charged with her murder. Oh. They don't have a body. Okay. Mm-hmm. This has been like just over a month and he David Gilroy has been arrested. No body, charged That's with murder. That's mad without a body, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And on the 24th of June... David Gilroy appeared on a, a petition in a private Edinburgh Sheriff Court hearing and he was charged with the murder of Suzanne Pilly and various other offences relating to her disappearance. Oh. But he made no plea or declaration. But he applied for bail and it was granted by a Sheriff McNeil. So he's on bail, okay? okay. And on the 1st of July, David Gilroy appealed in court again for examination and then he was fully committed for trial and then a second petition for bail was lodged and it was granted so he's been on bail okay but he's still obviously being charged for her murder but he's on bail now we're going to jump two years now right and i'm going to take you to the 20th of february 2012 so this is where the trial of David Gilroy got underway at the High Court in Edinburgh. The presiding judge was Lord Brackadale. Can't pronounce his name, okay. And the prosecution was led by Advocate Deputy Alex Prentice, QC, and the defence by Jack Davidson, QC. And David Gilroy's solicitor was Jim Wardlaw. Now, I might mention these names later on, so it's just mm-hmm. to kind of give you a heads up. So the indictment ran to five pages, okay. And the principal charges were that on the 4th of May 2010, David Gilroy killed Suzanne Pilly at the offices of Infrastructure Managers Limited in Thistle Street, Edinburgh, or elsewhere, by means to the prosecutor unknown. So that's one. Also, David Gilroy concealed Suzanne Pilly's corpse in the Thistle Street premises of Infrastructure Management Limited, transported it to Argyle in the boot of a car and various locations around Scotland and thereafter disposed of it by means to the prosecutor 
unknown. Okay, so there's what he's getting charged against. Mm -hmm. And the jury of eight men and seven women began hearing all the evidence on the afternoon of the 20th of February 2012. And the trial lasted 24 days. So for not having a body or anything, that's a quick trial. Yeah, that's really quick. Mm -hmm. But I have to say the prosecution case was wholly circumstantial. This is all circumstantial evidence. You know, it's not like he said, oh, I'm guilty or there was loads and loads of witnesses or oh, there was a body. There's nothing of that. So this is all circumstantial, which is why it's quite a controversial one to do. Obviously, we've both got our own opinions on the whole thing and we can mention that at the end. But it's Mm -hmm. just to say. No, no. So the first witness on the crown list was Suzanne Pilly's mum, Sylvia. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So she spoke to the court. And they said that her daughter had had a turbulent on-off relationship with David Gilroy and that she had previously cohabited with him on a temporary basis. So they lived together, which I didn't know until I read this because David Gilroy always has a wife and two children, okay? Mm -hmm. It's also a, a fact that the day before Suzanne went missing, she met up with a man that she had met online just beforehand but David found out. Right. And then the next day, she goes missing. So there's all this stuff. This wasn't said in court, but that's what's been written in all the places that I've done some research. Now, on the 23rd of February, 2012, the advocate deputy led evidence from the Lothian Borders Police Constable, who told the court that they had enlisted the help of specially trained cadaver dogs from South Yorkshire Police, to search okay. the offices where David Gilroy and Suzanne Pilly worked because right. they worked in the same building. Okay, The dogs were specially trained to smell for blood and human remains. Now, the court was told that the dogs, that were both, they were both Springer Spaniels, had identified three areas of interest. One in the basement area of the offices and two in the boot of David Gilroy's silver... Vauxhall <gasps> Victra Silver. So you know how I mentioned Mr. DeCara yeah, a few yeah, minutes yeah. ago. So I guess you could always fight though the part in the basement of a workplace could have been anyone. But when you then link it to the boot of his car, that's when you start to things start to be a bit fishy. Right? So the next game day on the twenty fourth of February, the court heard from a forensic imagery expert, Jacqueline Butterwick who had analysed footage on behalf of the police. So she told the court that the CCTV footage of a person on Thistle Street bore enough similarities to other CCTV images of Suzanne Pilly taken that day that she disappeared. So for her to say it was definitely Suzanne Pilly, she was 20 metres from the entrance of her work. So this imagery expert, she said, this is definitely Suzanne. So she's linked all these CCTV images and saying right, she was literally okay. 20 metres away from her work entrance when we last seen her. It's definitely her. Which is a big thing to say, you know. But she's an expert. Now, on the 27th of February, 2012, Andrea Gilroy, which is David Gilroy's wife, was cited as a witness by the Crown. Okay, so oh. she was asked to go and become a witness for him. As she took the stand... The trial judge explained 
that she had the right not to give evidence against her husband if she did not wish. So she declined to give evidence. Now, Andrea, she could decline to give evidence because the events that obviously Suzanne's disappearance that she was would have had to have spoken about took place before this act, an act came in. So it's um, Section 86 of the Criminal Justice and Licensing Scotland Act 2010 came into force. So that act amended the law, which beforehand allowed spouses and you know civil partners of an accused person in Scotland. They, they didn't need to be witnesses. So now, nowadays, obviously, they, they have to be witnesses for the prosecution. Yeah. But so they... She got away with it, really, for quite a few months. Now, on the 1st of March 2012, the Advocate Deputy led evidence from Sergeant Paul Granger of Lothian and Borders Police, and he spoke to the contents of an 11-hour interview which David Gilroy gave to police on the 6th of May 2010. So that's an 11-hour interview that they started speaking about two years later obviously, for the court. But Sergeant Granger told the court that during the interview, he noticed a scar on David Gilroy's forehead under his hairline and that there had been some sort of scratch on his chin. The court also heard that David Gilroy had told police that on the evening of the 2nd of May 2010, him and Suzanne Pilly had decided to split up and then took part in a Buddhist-style religious ceremony writing their feelings down on pieces of paper and burning them. So a few days before she disappeared, they split up, but then wrote their feelings on paper and burned them. I mean, I don't know how that relates to a scar on his forehead, mm-hmm. but that's still suspicious. You know, that, <laughs> just a little bit. It's just, it's just random. Okay. So on the 6th of March, 2012, the court heard from a forensic scientist, Kirsty McTurk, who told the trial that she had conducted a search for DNA in Suzanne Pilly's workplace and in the boot of David Gilroy's car. She confirmed that she had been unable to find any trace of Suzanne Pilly's DNA anywhere in the building or in the car. She told the court that as she opened the boot to David Gilroy's car, that she noticed a fresh smell coming from inside. And she told the advocate that it it could either have been an air freshener or a cleansing agent. So there's no DNA, but there's bleach practically, Hmm. you know. So, hmm. Now, the court later heard from a friend of Suzanne Pilly's, Gail Hawkins, And she spoke to the fact that Suzanne had previously had told people she was worried that David was hacking into her email account. Okay. And then also other research had said that he was very kind of jealous and possessive of her. So Mm -hmm. that's what made, obviously, her quite worried and speak to her friend that he was hacking into her email account. And back in 2010 as well, pretty easy to do. Now... Alex Prentice, QC, produced in court phone records showing that David was in contact with Suzanne almost daily before her disappearance, but that his contact had stopped 
the day before she went missing and it was revealed that David would regularly text Suzanne more than 50 times a day and the last contact between their phones was on the 3rd of May 2010 when he left 15 text messages and one voicemail. So for them to break up on the second or whatever and then always keep texting people but then the day before she goes missing to completely stop contact another kind of red flag in my book no definitely now on the 7th of march 2012 a forensic pathologist dr nathaniel carey told the jury that david gilroy had curved scratches on his hands a cut on his forehead bruises on his chest and other scratches to his hands wrist and forearms on the 6th of may 2010 so that's two days after after Suzanne disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, a series of photographs were produced in court, obviously, because they can't just say this without, you know, backing it up. Yeah. And he told the court that the scratches could have been caused by another person's fingernails, possibly in a struggle, and that this had happened around the time of Suzanne's disappearance. He oh. also... Yeah. Scratches. Another red flag. Mm-hmm. Now, he also said that the injuries were consistent with what he had seen previously in cases involving strangulation, but that it was difficult to tell because the injuries had been covered with makeup, like a makeup like substance. So they had been covered. Now, under cross examination, Dr. Carey did confirm that the scratches on David's hands could have come from gardening activities. So, you know, he can't just. There's no body or anything. He can't just say that's what it's from. So if, obviously, the strangulation and struggle isn't a story, he could have actually got them from gardening. On the 8th of May 2012, the advocate deputy led evidence from Lothian and Borders Police, who told the court how they partially traced a car journey David Gilroy made to Lock Gilp Head on the 5th of May 2010 using CCTV footage. After analysing the footage, police recreated the journey there and back several times. They found that David Gilroy had taken two hours longer than their average time each way. Furthermore, a comparison of fuel consumption suggested that 124 miles of David Gilroy's journey were unaccounted for. So... That's not just like a small amount. No, no, that's a long way, right? Mm-hmm. And so this concluded the evidence for the prosecution, right? And on the 9th of March 2012, the Crown withdrew a number of charges on the indictment related to an assault, a breach of the peace, and a contravention of the Computer Misuse Act 1990. So they were, he was going to, you know, get charged for hacking into her email and everything like that. However, he was charged for the murder of Suzanne and attempting to defeat the ends of justice respectfully. Mm-hmm. So he, so everything else was dropped, but the murder and defeating the ends of justice remained. The defence case began on the morning of the 12th of March 2012, and it only lasted half a day. The mm. court heard from a number of witnesses who worked in the offices of Infrastructure Managers Limited, and they didn't see anything out of, out of the ordinary, you know, at the premises when she went missing on that day mm-hmm. you know they had nothing to say 
and David Gilroy declined to give evidence in his own defence. Which again, kind of like, is that? Yeah, that mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know if that's like a lawyer's thing. Maybe you're told not to give evidence. Yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, it makes you look a bit shady. Now, on the afternoon of the twelfth of March, the advocate deputy Alex Prentice QC began addressing the jury. He told them that the crime case was that David Gilroy had killed Suzanne Pilly in the basement of her office before hiding her body in a recess. That David had then brought his car from home and put Suzanne's body in the boot and the next day transported her to a lonely grave somewhere in Argyle. He pointed to a sudden interruption in Suzanne's life since she had vanished. In particular, he highlighted that she had made no contact with anyone. There'd been no activity on her credit cards and she had not made any arrangements for her pet fish and her cat who were at home. So, you know, it wasn't like she had run away or, you know, she's made no contact with the outside world. And it was also said that the lack of calls and texts from David after Suzanne went missing suggested he knew she was already dead and that he had had her phone. Now, he also reminded the jury that David Gilroy had gone on a journey of no importance the day after she had disappeared instead of assisting the police inquiry. Yeah, yeah. So on the morning of the 13th of March 2012, the next game day, they began summing up the case for the defence. So they urged the ladies and gentlemen of the jury to assess the evidence dispassionately because they said it was it would be unsafe to convict David Gilroy of murder because the case the Crown presented was a circumstantial one. What? So it means they have no evidence. This is just all out of circumstances. This is, he took a journey. He has scratches. There's no body, you know? Right. So they're just really telling the, the jury, be careful on this one. Really think about it, you know? Or that's right. what that's yeah, my yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, that's what I take away from it. Now, on the afternoon of the thirteenth of March, the jury of eight men and seven women were sent out to consider their verdict. And after two and a half days of deliberations, two and a half days. I feel like most of the cases we do are like hours. Yeah, it's like fifteen minutes later, guilty. <laughs> yeah, guilty and jail for yep. <laughs> yep. But this was two and but a I half I suppose, yeah, days. there is no evidence, is there? Mm-hmm. That's really one that if, if I was on the jury or something, I'd love to be on a jury, but I'd want someone to just admit they'd done it because I wouldn't want to have then to you would do, do that. Jury. I know, but that's why I should you know be what on jury one. is? Yeah, I know. That's probably well, why I haven't they admit they done chosen. it, you don't need a jury to decide if they did it or not. Yeah, but it. you know, I want to hear their case. So maybe give me a two-week case. And then at the end, the guy's like, actually, I did do it. I'm guilty. And I'd be like, oh, thank you. You know? Right. Anyway, back to the story. Right after I feel two... like jury's not for you, but hey-ho. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> after two and a half days of deliberations on the 15th of March, 2012... David Gilroy was found guilty by majority verdict of the oh. murder of Suzanne Pilly and of attempting to defeat the ends of justice. Fair. Mm-hmm. So, on the 18th of April 2012, at 9.30am, 
the High Court in Edinburgh, Lord Brackadale sentenced David Gilroy to life imprisonment with a punishment part of 18 years for the murder of Suzanne Pilly and for attempting to, f- to defeat the ends of justice. A single camera. Fair. Oh, yeah. And during this time in court, a single camera, a cameraman, and an audio technician from STV were present in court. So this was one where there's a lot of information on it, but I thought I'm not going to bore you with it. But on the 15th of March, following the guilty verdict, they had to adjourn for some background reports and they they just reprimanded David Gilroy in custody. And obviously because of this, there was such a high level of public interest for this trial. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing. Definitely, yeah. So that's why STV, which is a Scottish broadcaster, they wrote to the Lord Justice General and everyone requesting permission to film the sentences of Gil, the sentencing of Gilroy. So, um, in Scotland and things, you have to you have to ask for your permission, and it's completely up to kind of yeah, it's up to the Lord. I think it's the Lord Justice General that has kind of this. It's on a case by case basis. So, right, okay. Which is, I think that's different in England and Wales. And it was also the first time that Twitter was involved in a Scottish case. But oh, again, really? Yeah, so they were able to tweet, like, as it went on. But it's uh, kind of, it's a first. And it's also a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis. You can't just say, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this was TV and everyone were allowed in. But I believe nowadays as well I think it is still a case-by-case basis but in England and Wales I think you can just do it not completely sure though don't quote me on that so this is not exact facts no I'm just could be making this whole thing up but literally STV were allowed in there was load like quite a few rules though as in you can only face the judge have footage of the judge you're practically allowed the sentencing but that is it so I think they got all together they got four minutes and 40 seconds of the video you know they 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 weren't allowed to look at david put the video on the the court like anyone else it was practically all right okay you can have it for me saying he is now getting life in prison with a minimum of 18 years now david gilroy up to this day he continues to maintain his innocence there's a podcast i don't know the name of it because i don't know the name of it but I think he is getting interviewed as well and he he keeps saying like he is innocent to this day he is like I did not do this but on the oh, 27th, to this day yeah like so has he ever once turned around and said like oh yeah absolutely I did sorry no like God. the podcast that I'm talking about I'm pretty sure is no more than like a two years old or even a year old well, to be honest, this year has been such a write-off. You keep forgetting that it's almost the end of a year. <laughs> but So it might be like a couple of years old. Um, but no, he is, to this day, he does not believe he's done it. Now, on the 27th of April 2012, he lodged his first intention to appeal against the conviction. Now, this appeal was rejected by the court in Edinburgh on the 20th of December 2012. So his appeal was a few months but completely don't get it and I think he maybe he's put in a few other appeals but literally he's not getting them now despite extensive searches during the whole police investigation and even after the trial 
the body of Suzanne Pilly has never been found. Her remains are believed to be buried in a forest somewhere in Argyle. Initially, I think it's that horrible thing if, like, even if, yeah, even if he did do it, he is never going to say where her body is because it then proves he did do it. Mm -hmm. Or it's like the Ian Brady thing, isn't it? It's like a power play. Yeah, absolutely. And it's practically, like, to give you, if you don't know, a visual about Argyle. Practically, she was buried in a moor with trees. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it's that kind of level of size. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot find some. It's the perfect place to make something disappear. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, initially, David Gilroy, he was sent to HMP Edinburgh, so Stockton. Okay. Um, mm-hmm, which, that prison is not normally used to house prisoners who are serving life sentences, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, which I didn't realise because we've got, what's his name in it? Peter Tobin's in there and he is good in life, so yeah. But he also declined to be segregated from the general prison prison population, which oh. I don't know. I guess he was trying to be like, uh, I don't even know. Who knows? Now, on the twenty first of May two thousand and twelve, it was reported that David Gilroy had been moved to HMP Shots, but he um, he moved there following threats from fellow prisoners in in Stockton in Edinburgh, and it was later reported that David had been attacked on his first day at Shots Prison by fellow inmates. And no wonder, it's Shots. <laughs> exactly. He went to hospital with a broken jaw. So people <laughs> know his story. Like, people like, prisoners are battering him, you know? Or yeah, maybe sure. he was just a bit of a, I don't know. He's innocent. Maybe he just kept going on about that and they were like, no, shut up, I'm going to break your jaw. Now, Fairly. obviously this is, like I said it a million times, very controversial. Um, some people believe he didn't do it. I am Ooh. one that believes he did. But yeah, yeah. I can't. I can be swayed. So if anyone listening has a really, really believes that he is innocent, let me know. Like I don't have an issue with that. I'm not. I don't have a problem. But it's just there's too much against him. You know, like he was pally with Suzanne friends with her up until her disappearance I know they broke up but there's reports as well that oh they were seen at the shops buying food for like dinner a couple days before she went like disappeared and the fact that he had a wife and two kids at home and this was like a secret relationship what's to say that something didn't happen or yeah they fell out and she met another man and he got really angry about it like He's a liar from the get-go. He's already cheating on a whole family. What's to say he's not got it in him to also lie about not killing someone? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I feel like, yeah, I feel like he is guilty. There's so much, kind of, I know it's circumstantial, but evidence against him. Mm-hmm. But it's that horrible thing with no body. You've got no kind of concrete evidence. Like, I always wonder what would happen if she did just like turn up. Oh, he would be <laughs> getting be a lot suing. of money. <laughs> yeah. but like, nah, like I know she wouldn't, but like I'm like with this, like with this Suzanne Pilly case, she kind of like I generally thought, like I couldn't remember it off my heart, but I thought her body was found because everyone's like, yeah, he did it, and I'm like, is actually we're just kind of saying he did, like he actually didn't. Yeah, there is no body. Like we don't know that for a fact, but it's just who there was no other. 
you know, footage of her. There was no other evidence yeah, of someone else. And, like, the fact that he took that random trip to the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. like, the day after, and that, you know, there was some evidence in her boot, and it's like, mm, yeah. you just don't know. Yeah, it's such a, and it's that thing where you don't want to say anything, because you don't want to, like, I do believe he did it, but I don't want to be like, but, like, because... I don't want to side with him, you know, and I'm not, mm-hmm. but you don't yeah, just go to jail that. for no reason. There's something against you. Uh-huh. And for a jury to believe there's something against you, as you said earlier, people don't want to just put people away for the fun of it. No, not at all. You don't want that on your conscience. No, exactly, because imagine it does come out, it wasn't him or whatnot. That jury all can be like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, dear. No. oh, dear. Yeah. So that's the thing you need to kind of be like, actually, do you know? you've got to add it all up and who knows maybe one day we'll find out the truth 